Ladies and gents, welcome to Next Level Radio. I am your host, Colby Wartman, and our mission is to tackle the biggest questions in strength and conditioning, business, investing, and everything in between. We bring to you the best people in every sector so that you, the listener, can benefit and learn from the best in the biz. Whether that is S&C or business, you can rest assured you're getting the best knowledge available. Having trained athletes for many, many years, we have tried every treadmill known to man. You name it, we've tried it. With these treadmills, there's always been a disconnect, something missing for our athletic performance, something that just does not correlate to athletic success on the field until we tried our Trueform runners. Trueform for over 10 years has been elevating the performance of pro athletes, college athletes, recreational runners, and everyday athletes alike. You can check out Trueform treadmills at trueformrunner.com, and we thank Trueform for being an exclusive sponsor of Next Level Radio. All right, it's time we all grow up a little bit. Ditch the pre-workout. It's not 2007 anymore, and it's nothing like jacked 3D. Ditch the shaker. You're not four years old, and you don't need a bottle anymore. And get yourself the best dippable pre-workout on the market. Each pouch is patriotically packed with 300 milligrams of caffeine and vitamins because shaker bottles suck. Send It Sups is the -the on-the-go solution for athletes, LEOs, firefighters, door kickers, and everybody in between. Head over to SendItSups.com to get the best dippable pre-workout on the market And we thank Send It Sups for being a sponsor of Next Level Radio. Next Level Radio continues to grow because of our listeners and our sponsors. Today we present you, Fat Fish Brewing, the official beer of Next Level Radio. Whether you're looking for a night out with family or smashing the best craft beers in the area, you will find it all at Fat Fish Brewing. Check out Fat Fish on Village Street in Dickinson or check them out on their website at fatfishbrewing.com. Life has an amazing way of coming full circle and bringing to you the people that you need in your life at that time. As a young whippersnapper, four monsters deep, just excited to tackle the day, I'm headed to my first strength and conditioning conference and I hear about a company called Team Builder. Multiple coaches with experience with TeamBuilder and other platforms said the exact same thing. They said that you can get very similar products across different platforms. However, the thing that truly sets aside TeamBuilder and puts their product above anybody else's is their true and genuine customer service. As a customer for many years, both at the university setting and the private facility, I can tell you, Team Builder's customer service is absolutely second to none. Late night emails, programming issues, emergencies on my end are all resolved very, very quickly. So join the thousands of universities and private facilities that use Team Builder to elevate their businesses by going to teambuilder.com, click start my free trial and use code NLT at checkout. Our next sponsor, Nutridyne, a medical supplement company aimed at enhancing performance and addressing the underlying issues of disease. You will be hard-pressed to find the quality that you'll find at Nutridyne. 
listeners of this podcast get 20% off all supplements. Just go to at coach underscore Wartman and click the Nutridyne link in our bio. Keep up with us on Instagram at coach underscore Wartman on our website, nl-training.com or keep up with us on the next episode of Next Level Radio. Now sit back, relax, and take in the mind-melting knowledge of this episode. When did you go full-time? With this? And stop teaching? Uh, well, Because you were still teaching ago. when I came here last time. Seven months ago. Um, the month before Ridge was born. Got it. Months before Ridge was born. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, much needed, much, much, much needed. I've told him this before, but I had a buddy, we were talking podcasting, uh, in real estate and he's a real estate agent. And he asked, uh, how many businesses have you failed at? I was like, I failed so many times, man. Like I've, I've, I used to roast coffee. Can't do that. It's too time consuming. Um, I used to teach. Don't get me wrong. When I'm retired, I would love to do that, but Mm -hmm. it's not right now. We're in what Hermosi talks about. We're in a no season so we can grow. You know, I mean, he's like, you say no to many more things when you're trying to get moving, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it's scary to let go, but it's also uh, very gratifying when you do, 100%. you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm going through. So, but yeah, man, we are, uh, we're rolling for a second next level radio with uh, my man, John, and it's been a pleasure. You know, it's, it's cool to meet people out of uh, the blue that become good friends, that become mentors, that become sounding boards, that become people that I look up to. And it's really cool that the world kind of brings us together like that. And uh, so I'm going to have uh, yourself introduce yourself a little bit, and then we're just going to start jiving, my man. Well, brother, the feeling is absolutely mutual. Um, it feels incredible being back here. It feels incredible being back in North Dakota. It feels incredible, like, getting another training session in with you. Um, and it feels just great talking with you again. Mm-hmm. It feels incredible being back here, bro. Yeah. Uh, so for those that don't know, uh, my name is John Manelli. I'm the president and founder of Send It Supplements. We make the world's first and only dippable pre-workout supplement. What I mean by that is uh, most pre-workout comes in powders and jars. Ours, uh, thankfully, does not. <laughs> Ours comes in individual pouches that you place in your lip, similar to chewing tobacco. Each tin has eight pouches containing 300 milligrams of patriotically packed caffeine in each individual pouch. And we are also a sponsor of one of the best podcasts in the world. So um, (laughs) we've been doing this for about two years now. We've been growing and scaling like crazy. And I'm in a place now where my work now involves having incredible conversations. Yes, sir. Guys like you, man. Mm -hmm. And it's... uh like I said, the feelings mutual, but you get to uh, get a bunch of different perspectives. You're in a, uh, you're in a, I'm in a service-based business. You're in a much different business, a product-based business, but um, there's things that really wrap together. And it's been, uh, for me, I'll kind of tell our origin story. I was just uh, doing the endless death scroll through Instagram and all this, like it's a big part of our world that uh, I've had to tailor back just to producing instead of consuming, but I was consuming a bunch of content and send it subs came apart and saw I saw it on my for you page I was on vacation in Florida and I reached out I was like I have to do this it's just I jive with this I jive with the mentality I jive with the product I jive with everything that they stand for and so it was a couple email exchanges a flight out we made it happen you know and so there's there's a lot to be said for uh reaching out when you think that the answer you're going to get is a no 
mm-hmm. which um, down the road, you'll have some really cool uh, stuff coming out that you just had to reach out, man. Of course. You just had to reach out. And so I'm very thankful for that time. And I think this is a tip of the iceberg of what can come of our friendship, our relationship, mm-hmm. um, and just seeing your business grow as a whole has been very gratifying like super gratifying for somebody that has zero invested. Um, I'm not uh, somebody that directly benefits from what you do, but I do as a friend, you know? So it's really cool to see, man. man. It's really cool. And you kind of touched upon this, just the freedom that comes from running a business and freedom is the wrong word, more freedom of movement. Yes. The ability to send an email and have anything come about from it. The reason I'm sitting in this chair right now is because Colby reached out to me because he saw uh, an Instagram piece of content that we put out and just being in a place where this is now my full-time job and being able to do this in a full-time capacity, the, the biggest t- takeaway from a very young novice entrepreneur is in order to make any of the big dreams happen that you want to see materialize, you have to put yourself out there and you have to send the cold email. You have to make the phone call that you think no one's going to pick up. And the first piece of that is believing that Truly, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find, what I have found, at least I'm talking from my own experiences, is if you just believe that it can be possible and you make the content, co- contact, excuse me, you will be very, very surprised what comes of it. And we've seen that over and over again from some of the things that we have in the pipe from a marketing perspective. I have to pinch myself every so often yes. just because of what's going on and, um, anybody that's listening to this that has dreams of one day owning a business or maybe working for themselves one day, this company started from an idea that I had in my head in Syria of all places. I was, um, for those that don't know our backstory, I was literally in the gym and uh, in deployed environments for any of the military guys that are listening. Uh, none of the water that you drink is palatable. And what I mean by that is all the water that you shower in, that you consume, that you wash dishes in have to come from either a, uh, a cleaned source in the what we would call Cadillacs. They're these big white trailers that you shower and go to the bathroom in. Um, but uh, the primary source of your drinking water comes from these water bottles. And these water bottles sit in pallets in the hot desert sun all day long. So um, I was just as much as a workout junkie as I am now. But mm-hmm. what was required to use my pre-workout before I would actually go to the gym was washing out my shaker cup. And what that required was taking <laughs> soap and walking down to the giant palette of hot water bottles that were sitting out in the sun all day and wash my stupid shaker cup. And it was just a pain. It, it, was, it was something that it was one more thing that I had to do before my workout. And this was combined with the fact that everybody around me was either dipping themselves or trying to quit dip at the same time. And I put two and two together because at this point, um, my pre-workout used to be a pinch of Copenhagen. That's how I would start off every lift. Um, and the reason why chewing tobacco works as well as it does is because it utilizes a delivery system called your mucous membranes. It's, uh, membranes that are found in your lips and nostril that take whatever substance that you put directly there and puts it directly into your bloodstream. And I had the idea that if it worked as well for nicotine or something horrible like chewing tobacco, it would probably work just as well, if not better for caffeine. And beyond that, it would also provide the oral fixation that myself and everybody else who uses chewing tobacco was addicted to the habit, the habit of it. And it just, it put the idea in my head that not only did I have to do this for myself, but I had to do it for everybody else that was around me. Yeah. And it, 
it started as a need to caffeinate the deployed guys, the guys that were downrange, the, the people that wear a uniform every day. And it, what it has blossomed into is the mission of our company is to caffeinate as many hardworking Americans as possible. And what we mean by that is teachers, cops, plumbers, electricians, anybody who utilizes caffeine to accomplish their goals in the gym and in life. And just because there is a soldier on the, on the logo of the product does not mean it is just for soldiers. And the reason why that is the mission of the company is because the founders, myself and my father, who is also my business partner, we worked those jobs in previous lives. We, we know what 12 hour shifts feels like. And we know that coming from that world, that caffeine is not a luxury, but a requirement. And what was so crazy about all of it is an idea that I had in my head became the catalyst to not only improving the lives of myself and those directly around me, but people I don't know. Yep. That other people have become better versions of themselves through utilizing a product that we are very blessed to be able to create and produce and are utilizing it to create good in the lives of others. Mm-hmm. That's the part that I'm addicted to yep. in business. Yeah. I, I think... <laughs> The best way to put this, I have been, I would be a terrible employee now. Terrible. I don't know about you. I would be an absolute terrible employee because you talk about the freedom versus freedom of movement. Freedom is different from freedom of movement. We still have to get our checklist done. We still have to make content. We still have to do these things that we're bound to, but we enjoy them so much that it feels like it's uh, very, very long chains that we're bound to. But you talk about sending an email and thinking of an opportunity and reaching out and creating a relationship and doing these things, I, I've been doing it for so long that we feel like that's our normal, right? People that are in a W-2 employee, which is completely fine. There's people that are employees that make way more money than I do, but they don't think of life as these never-ending opportunities. They just think of paycheck, clock in, clock out. And I, for me, it's just kind of surreal because you bring it up and I just, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Like my success is directly correlated to the opportunities that I take. And the same thing goes for you. Your success is directly tied to the opportunities that you do. We won't talk about why, but you were all over the country. You're in Austin. You took a very, very long uh, hiatus for yourself that you took a big vacation. You're here in Dickinson, North Dakota. Those are the opportunities that are going to bear the fruits around the next corner. And it's, it's super cool to see, man. You actually get me fired up. I've been in a very big funk. I've had a kid in the last six months. I've, uh, my life has changed. Mm-hmm. But just having you in here and talking this podcast, the last sentence you just said really just fires up my brain. It fires up what I want to do. It gives me, it gives me new life, you know? And so it's, it's really cool to see that because I am, it's so normal for us, right? you know? You, um, I'm, we'll, we'll get into it here, uh, completely had to make a decision mm-hmm. on going all in on something, yep. fully sending it into what you're doing. And uh, talk about that experience. Talk about the benefits and the drawbacks that you felt uh, mm-hmm. because the freedom of movement is very, very incredible, but it's also very scary. So go at it. Absolutely. Um for those that watched the first podcast, you might notice something a little different about the last time we talked, and that is that I don't have a very cheesy, long, bureaucratic disclaimer in front of me. And the reason why that is the case is because now I have the opportunity to be a full-time president and founder of this company, and it still feels surreal. And it's about, at this point, a month and a half old. 
Um, and just to give a little context into what I did in a previous life, um, touched on my military background. Um, and prior to, or excuse me, directly after that, I was w what's called a defense contractor. Um, a defense contractor is someone who works for a private company that provides a service to the federal government. <clears throat> and without boring you with the details, what that involves, usually from a technical perspective, if you do anything in tech, it's something called a security clearance. A security clearance is an investigation that is done on you as the individual, as the holder of this clearance. Um, as I was in the process of joining the military and directly after basic training, I had an investigator assigned to me. And the reason why this occurred is because some of the programs that I would ultimately be working on in the Air Force um, were very sensitive in nature. And the U.S. government needed to ensure that John Benelli is not a compromised asset, that John Benelli is good from a financial perspective, that John Benelli, um, to use their words, can be trusted with matters of national security. And the reason why this was so important was because I knew if I obtained this, what we would describe as a golden ticket, once I received that security clearance, if I wanted to, come time to separate or ETS out of the military, <clears throat> I could plug into something called the defense sector. And the defense sector is companies like Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Raytheon, L3 Harris, we all know the names. Um, their customer is the US government, specifically the DOD in many cases. And because the nature of the products that they sell to this particular customer are so sensitive and uh, involve uh, vigorous uh, security protocols that have to be involved in, in the, the maintenance of those programs, all the people that work on these programs have to be cleared and vetted. So I give that preamble because when you decide to no longer be a part of this world, you have to be very confident in your leap because it's not something that you can go back to. Yeah. You are, in a very real sense, burning a bridge the second that you decide to no longer be a part of this world because you are not only saying goodbye to your experience and your certifications, but you were also saying goodbye to your security clearance. And I was, for the first time in my life, presented with a choice. And that choice was I had to choose between my company growing and my career as a network engineer growing. And I knew that if I didn't follow my heart, if I didn't go all in on this company, I would regret it for the rest of my life. And it happened faster than I would have liked it to happen. It happened at a more accelerated rate. But looking back on it now, it was the absolute best thing, not only for myself, but for the company that I have the blessing of running. And you touched upon this. There's, there's costs that are associated with everything. You know, I, I left a, a very cushy, secure, well-paying job and took a very big pay cut yep. to be able to do this full time. But looking back on it now, I wouldn't change a thing. And I wouldn't change a thing not only because of the freedom of movement that we spoke about, but more than that, <clears throat> to anybody listening that has dreams of becoming an entrepreneur, the decision point as to why this made sense from a financial perspective, even if I take this, this pay cut in, in the beginning stages of it, I knew that I would make more money over the course of my lifetime if I spent time cultivating and developing skills like marketing and selling and advertising and, and building and scaling a business that provides value to millions of people. That would not only put money in my pocket, but more importantly than that, put money and time in the pockets of other people. Yep. That would make me free. That would, that would remove the golden handcuffs that were, that were so tight upon my wrists. And I knew that it would be a far better opportunity vehicle than getting a new certification or becoming a better network engineer or moving up the corporate ladder that is found in so many places. And... For me, it was just, it was a decision that I had to make. I'm happy that it happened as quickly as it did looking back on it now. Um, 
without sounding dramatic, it was one of the scariest things that I ever had to do. Mm. But I'm so happy and thankful that I had the opportunity to make that choice in yeah. the first place. Yeah. It, it's a leap that not a lot of people take. Um, <clears throat> and for, for everybody that, uh, I guess didn't hear the last podcast, um, your job was, uh, I, I guess actually have you explain it kind okay. of what you did. Um, I separate my post or I'll talk about it in three pieces. My first job, my first real career that I had after high school was I was what's called a cyber transporter in the United States Air Force. A cyber transporter is a very Air Force-y way of saying network administrator. We do what is called enterprise-grade networking. We have the training and skill set and facility to take 200 computers or more and give them the communication mediums and the uh, infrastructure to talk and share information between one another securely. Um, I did that for about four years when I was in in the Air Force. Um, immediately following that, <clears throat> I was what's called a network FSR on um, a program where we would take uh, kill feed coming from fast-moving aircraft. And when I mean fast-moving aircraft, I, uh, I would mean aircraft assets such as F-16s, A-10s, um, AWT, or an air weapons team, an Apache helicopter, and interface with what's, what's called a pod. A pod is a very um, high-tech and very expensive camera system that is found on the bottom of all these aircraft. And the whole purpose of this program that I worked on now as a civilian, was to be able to see what the pilot was seeing in real time. And what this allowed the ground commander or the ground element to see is what the pilot was seeing. And why this was so, so lethal and provided so much capability to the ground element is because the controllers of these actual aircraft could, in many cases, walk pilots onto target. It would give the ground elements better fidelity of what was going on on the ground. And I did this in places like Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria, and I did it for about three years. Um, <clears throat> the reason why I am not doing that job anymore, because I quite frankly loved every second of it, mm -hmm. is because the uh, Afghan pullout happened in a very abrupt manner. And uh, we can kind of go into that if you would like. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it left me in a place where there was no longer a need for my job or any other American in, in this particular region. So <clears throat> I uh, came back to the United States. Um, and picked up uh, another job as a network engineer, working on a less kinetic program, obviously, because it was in the States, and uh, built out a call center on an Air Force base. And what I did on this program was we would have various uh, customers, DOD customers, that would interface with this particular call center. And my responsibility of it was to build the network infrastructure piece to ensure that all the computers on this particular program, again, had the communication mechanisms, the uh, encryption piece, the, the secure pipelines to talk and share between, to talk and share information between one another securely in that scale. And this was my world. This, this was my career after high school for close to eight years. Mm. And I had to make the choice to leave all of it. And up until this point, I uh, received certifications from vendors would uh, give me very difficult tests to test my capabilities to see if I if I knew Cisco command line if I if I could program these devices in the manner that they had to be programmed in compliance with DoD requirements and it was so scary to say goodbye to all of it because not only because of the countless hours that I poured into it but yeah. just because of the security that was associated with it but the the push off the ledge the reason why I did it was because I knew that if I wanted to grow as a man. I had to learn a different skill set. Yeah. And the reason why I think that's so important is because um, 
I'll tell a bit of a story here. Mm-hmm. I eat at Waffle House a lot. Mm. <laughs> I've never ate at one. I've traveled and I've seen it and I've been told to. The reason I eat at Waffle House quite a bit is because for about $17, you can get close to 90 grams of protein. That's um, hermosy shit right sure. there. You can get about eight eggs, two sausages, two pieces of bacon, some Wonder Bread toast, and some grits for 20 bucks with tip. Mm. And they're open 24 hours. So I find myself in Waffle Houses quite a bit <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, and when you eat at Waffle Houses, you tend to uh, see Waffle House characters yep. quite a bit. And I was overhearing a conversation between a waitress that was working there and a young couple that was eating there at nine o'clock at night. And what the wait, the story that the waitress was telling, she was just talking with this couple as she was serving the food. She said that she is a, a third generation member of her family. And when she was saying this, I thought she meant like third generation American. Like her grandmother was the, the first person to come to America. She went on to continue her story and she said that, no, I'm a third generation Waffle House employee. And not, not that there was anything wrong working at Waffle House at all. They're, those are good, hardworking people. However, I came to learn why that was the case. She continued her story and she then went on to say that <clears throat> she loves working at Waffle House because she knows the system. She knows every facet of the business, not only because she's been working in it for so long, but because her mother and her grandmother worked in this business. And she went on to say that, you know, <clears throat> Denny's down the street was going to pay me $2 more an hour. And I would basically be doing the same thing, but I didn't want to do it because I had to change. I kept hearing her say this word over and over again. I had to change. You know, they, their, their point of sale system is different there, and we do all hand receipts here, so I would have to learn that. And I can't really talk to the, the crew in the same way that I can talk to them here because, you know, the kitchen is out in front of the, the customers, and it has to be segmented differently, and I would have to learn that. And, you know, I just I know the people here so well, and I've been working here for so long, so I don't want that extra $2 an hour. I'm just going to stay here. Wow. And that idea stuck in my head. It, it, it rang like a bell. And I knew that if I wanted to get to the next level, if I wanted to learn how to be a better businessman, if I ultimately want to be responsible for one day being responsible for the payroll of other people, putting money in people's pockets to pay their families and their electrical bill and feed their kids, I have to learn. I have to embrace change. And sometimes change lanes at your feet and you have to welcome it. And I tell that story not to dismiss any of the hard work that this young waitress w- was performing, but to serve as a lesson to anybody that is listening to this podcast that is scared by change. Mm-hmm. I, I have learned over and over again that change is not, necess- not only necessary, but should be welcomed. Yeah. It takes so many different aspects of everybody's life this this uh this third generation waffle house or this third generation alcoholic or this third generation drug addict or this um it's a it's a third generation mindset is what it comes down to um it is so intertwined in families in friend groups in niches in industries that it is it is hard to break and i was i typed up a question for you while you were talking right here and it was why was the jump so scary? I wanted to get deeper into that, but you just hammered it. Many people, many people look at like, oh, um, this is scary because I'm going to make less money. That was a factor, right? That was a factor, but the, it's almost so scary with this entrepreneur, 
entrepreneurial mindset, it's so scary to stay stagnant. And in the entrepreneurial world, we have to be so comfortable with change that we know that the only two constant things are death, taxes, and change. We have to be so... and. I grew up with addiction in my life and um, my family's life, my life, whether it was eating disorders, heroin, alcohol, all these different things. And I had to make the decision to be the person that broke the chains. I had to. And that was a decision I made for myself. And now, six months later, that's a, that's a decision I made for my little boy. And I can't imagine being in a spot where... I'm so paralyzed by change that I can't find the best version of myself. Yep. And it's, that scares me more than less money. That scares me more than being complete. I mean, it is that, uh, that'll keep me up at night. This is something I struggle with John. And this is, uh, this new, this new father thing. So a couple months back, um, it was my first weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, my wife's working nights. I'm with my little boy Ridge the entire time. And I have to grow as a man. And I've, I, I think I have since then. But my sense of comfort, and I'm sure you find some sense of comfort in it too, but my sense of comfort and unwinding and doing things is marketing for my business, creating content, doing something that is propelling me to a different place that I have not reached today. And I find comfort in that because I'm, I'm working I'm doing something. I'm tangibly putting effort in a direction that I know is going to bear fruit. And I hit this, this, I hit a wall, man. And it was a, it was emotional. Um, I cried. It was hard. It was hard to bear. Um, setting it all down, closing the laptop, shutting off the phone, not thinking about anything else, but that little boy. And, um, it was super hard to get over. Um, but I think I'm slowly getting to the point where I'm very comfortable with it, but, um, that scary for me, Yep, that is so scary because we are so wrapped up in this entrepreneurial American consumerism, um, mindset that we want to ever be ever changing and ever evolving. And, uh, there, um, what I'm saying is there's this whole nother side to this, the whole other spectrum where you and I can't shut off. We can't shut off. We can't, we can't stop. We can't, um, set things aside and enjoy. Um, you're here because of enjoyment and we get to hang out and we get a lift and we get to talk, but this is business too, you know? And it's so, it's so hard, man. Um, you're in a different, uh, you're in a different season of life than I am. Uh, but how has that season been for you where it's nonstop because now you're almost two months into all in no plan B it's go time. You know, I saw a post from you the other day, Colby, and it, it hit home to a thought that I always keep in the back of my head because I would, I, I, I absolutely want children Mm -hmm. one day, but I saw this post from you and it said my body wants more sleep. My heart wants to spend more time with them, but my manhood wants to become a millionaire. I want to grow and scale this thing yesterday. And I know that I will struggle with all of the things that you are struggling with. So hard, dude. Because where I'm in, in a place mentally is I feel very, the military term is front sight focused. I am solely focused on this one endeavor and I could not be more thankful that I have the opportunity to do it. And we call it toes forward. 
Okay. Toast Ford mentality. We're going. There's there's one singular thing that consumes all of my time from the second that I that I rise out of bed in the morning to the second I go to sleep. I am working on my company in some form or capacity. So cool. And it doesn't feel like work. And what the the big changing perspective to me is quite frankly, I feel poor right now. And anytime that I want to take a break or feel a little burned out, I remind myself that I left everything. I left a very nice paying job and I owe it not only to myself, but to the business that this is one one day going to turn into that I have to work, that there is no plan B, that I have burned every single boat, that this is it. So it's time to work harder. You have to send more emails. You have to make more content. And the reason why all this is so important is because what I'm in a season in is Hermosi talks about this learning, not earning. Yes, and yes. Why, and why that's so important is because I don't know what I don't know. I have a lot of ignorance debt. I, I'm a very young, young entrepreneur. I have been doing this full time for coming up on two months now, and we have been in business for a little over two years. That means I'm very new at this game. And the second that you start playing this game, you realize that there is very evidently a scoreboard and there are men who are playing it at a very, very, very high level. And what I find so incredible about the world of business and the world of entrepreneurship or really any endeavor, what is unique to this particular world is we can shoot basketball outside. We can play the same game that Michael Jordan played. We can shoot hoops and make layups and do the exact same moves that he did, but we will never play the game of basketball like Jordan played the game. And not to dismiss any of his hard work or his physical prowess or any accomplishments that that man performed. And coming from a person who was raised in Chicago, the prolific influence that Michael Jordan has, even as a non-basketball fan, influences my perspective of him because of the level in which he played the game. If Michael Jordan is five inches shorter, he is no longer Michael Jordan. There is a physical element to playing that game at the highest level, whether it is anything in a sports endeavor, whether it is anything in any sort of physical capacity. What I find so incredible about the game that I have the honor of playing is it is on you. It is on you to read the books. It is on you to learn. It is on you to employ whatever tool or strategy or season that you are currently in to maximize whatever skill set that you currently have and it's available to everyone today. It puts the, the reins of control squarely in your lap and you can do with it you can turn it into anything. You can make whatever, whatever business endeavor you have and, and turn it into whatever you want it to become. And it's, it's liberating. And it's scary, but more than that, I'm just, I have found a game that I know I will be playing for the next minimum four decades of my life because I love it so much. And what I have found is even when I was serving in the military, even when I was a defense contractor, even when I was a network engineer, the entire time, and we kind of touched upon this earlier, at some level I felt as though I was pretending. And the reason I say that is because the guys that I worked with in the military were not guys that I would describe as finding, them, finding themselves in places like this. They were not meathead, knuckle-dragger, gym bros. They were tech guys. They were guys that knew how to program and um, run Cisco infrastructure devices. They were computer dudes. And physical fitness is normally not correlated with these people. Now, to anybody listening, just because you work in that world does not mean you have to be defined by the people that you surround yourself with, of course. But at the end of the day, I was always uh, 
I always felt out of place. It, it, it didn't feel like something I was supposed to be doing. What's so liberating about this, what I have fallen in love with is the game of business. I have fallen in love for the first time in my life doing something that doesn't feel like work. And the reason why I'm in this season of learning right now is because I have learned that there is so much to learn. That yeah. you start immediately playing this game and you think you have a couple things figured out. And then when you learn very hard lessons, you immediately learn that not only do is there so much more to accomplish and learn, there is so much that you don't know. Mm-hmm. I have a very, very high ignorance debt that I have to pay down. The reason why we're not a $10 million a year company is because I don't have the skill sets or knowledge to run a $10 million a year company. And it is costing us $10 million a year. And it is my responsibility to, to put the tools in my tool belt to learn how to build this. And the reason why that's so liberating to me is because what's so incredible about this game that we're playing is you meet people from every different facet. You meet people from every different background. You meet people who aren't MIT professors that are far more successful and far more wealthy and far more prosperous in their entrepreneurial endeavors. Yep. And, the, and how I take that, there are two ways to look at it. You can make excuses for yourself as to why that guy got lucky and you didn't, why he was in the right place at the right time and knew the right people and was on the ground level of something incredible. Or what I try to do, I look at it as he had the exact same thoughts and feelings and insecurities and shortcomings that you did. And he just made the leap and made the choice that other men didn't. And when I look at people like Dana White, when I look at men like Jeff Bezos, when I look at guys like Bill Gates, I see people who at one point weren't men that we refer to in the full name capacity. They were Jeff. They were Dana. They were normal dudes that had a dream and a desire to grow and build something incredible. No different than anybody that is in this room right now and no different than anybody that is listening to this podcast. And more than that, um, it kind of gets into what the point of all this is at a, at a greater scale. And what I mean by that is, you know, with my time spent in the military and my time spent traveling, this, um, the, this, this recognition of the blessings that I have always hits me just squarely in the face. I learn very, very quickly about how much I've been given. And I, I learn these things every time I travel to a third world country, whether it was in the military or through my own personal travels. Um, you learn what a blessing it is to be born in America. You learn that it's such a blessing that you, you come to learn that there are things that we take for granted, things like running water, things like electricity, thing, things that are, are commonly listed that separate the first world from the third world. But there are other things that kind of hit you square in the face that make you realize that this place is not only special, but, but very, very unique. And, and one of these instances was when I was in um, Thailand, of all places, and my normal normal for any other American is we thankfully live in a country where if you are born in a, in a condition where you cannot work due to physical or mental disabilities, that you collect disability from the government. We make it a point to take care of people who through physical or mental disabilities cannot take care of themselves. That is normal to us. At this particular time, I was getting a coffee um, and I was talking to someone that I was with at the time. And I'm we're kind of conversating and going back and forth. And out of the corner of my eye, someone who is either physically or mentally or a combination of the two disabled rolls up in a wheelchair. And this gentleman has a briefcase in his hand. And immediately the girl that I am talking to stops talking to me. 
and flags this guy down, goes over to him and t- pulls out of her pocket a um, hundred baht. hundred baht is like roughly three bucks and buys one of these tickets as, as this guy opens the briefcase. And when you're traveling, you always have to keep in the back of your head, hey, you're a white American in a third world country. Yeah. Be on the lookout for scams. So she buys one of these tickets and immediately she says, John, buy one of these things. So you do the little value calculation in your head real quick and go, okay, if I'm getting scammed, I'm getting scammed for, I'm getting scammed for $6. Like this, this is not that much of an ask. And I buy two of the tickets for, for 200 baht. I come to learn that what I just bought was a lottery ticket in the Thai lottery system. And these tickets are commonly sold from people who cannot work because of a disability they have. And what these people have to do is instead of getting care from people who help them, if they want to put a bowl of noodles in their belly at the end of the day, they have to roll around in the hot Thai sun if they want to put water and food in their belly. That is how they get to spend their day. And you come to learn that when you travel to places like this, that this is not only normal but common because everyone's poor. Because no one has enough. Because everyone doesn't have access to clean drinking water. Everyone has nine kids. Everyone is struggling. How can I take care of people who can't can't take care of themselves? And they're not wrong. We think that's not normal. We view normal as always helping people who can't help themselves. Always providing tools and facilities and necessities to help those who literally, through physical or mental disabilities, cannot help themselves. And it couldn't be further from what is normal in the rest of the world. And the reason why I, I owe it to myself to utilize the blessings and the tools that I've been given in my life to build something incredible is because there's this verse in the Bible, Luke chapter 12, verse 48, to those who have been given much, much is expected. I have two legs and arms that work. I have all 10 fingers and all 10 toes. I have, I have health. I, I, Mental capacity. I, I have mental capacity. I, I, am in a, I am in a position and in a country and in a nation that not only wants me to get better, but wants me to get better so I can help other people. I have a tumultuous debt that I have to pay. And I remind myself of this every time I don't want to work. I remind myself of this every time I don't want to send an email or don't want to make a piece of content or don't want to come on a podcast that I not only have to do this for myself, but because I have to do this because there are people that would literally kill to be in the position that I'm in. This brings us back to a topic we talked about on the first podcast. And this was early on in the Russian invasion um, before really anything had really happened. We talked about uh, the rising tensions of China and we talked about the rising tensions of Russia and BRICS now. Um, But we talk about why America will always win. And we don't have to just think about this in war. We can think about this in uh, macro, microeconomics. We can talk about this as a people. We can talk about this in war if we wanted to. But it comes down to the spirit that we think is normal, which is very, very uh, freeing to think about. Um, I haven't got to travel as much as you have, but I've been all over Europe. I've been all over places there. And I've seen this. I've seen disabilities in my family. I've seen disabilities in many things. And it's, it's this normal thing that we take care of these people. And I, I was looking at the American outlook very pessimistic. Um, I was looking at it from a point of a, a, a falling empire. I was looking at it from a different uh, perspective. And you really switched how I was looking at things um, because it's, it's so much more than the phase or season that we're in right now. <clears throat> It's all about the bigger picture. And 
The reason why we'll win is because it's normal to take care of others. The reason why we'll win is because it's normal to want to pursue something so big that everybody else thinks that you're an idiot. Yep. And so that is why we'll always win. And I, I think uh, you permanently changed my perspective on that last time. And uh, we didn't even talk about this Thailand story, but it's, uh, it's, re- it's really revolutionized my thinking. And that's why I have people like you here. Um, and it's always been the most interesting. Our podcast last time was the most viewed podcast I had on Spotify. Um, and so there's a reason why you're here. And it's really cool that we can, um, that we can have this. And because uh, like you said, there's people that are willing to kill for this <clears throat> all day long. So, man, um, you have a you have a work ethic and you have a motivation that is far deeper rooted than just a uh, just something that's very superficial. Where did that come from? Was it your parents? You, your parents were both um, just from the friendship mm-hmm. that we have. Um, both uh, blue collar, you could consider it, right? Absolutely, yes, blue collar, twelve hour shifts teacher, police officer, doing, doing very hard jobs. And so was that instilled from them? Was that instilled from um, the love that you found in business? Where did that uh, come from? That's a complicated answer because there's uh, a couple different answers to the question. Um, I'm going to say a line that kind of rings in my head from my upbringing uh, that I heard from my father over and over and over again. And that line is, son, my feet are in concrete. And when I, what he meant by that was because of the wonderful children that, that he was blessed with, because of the wonderful wife that is in his life, uh, he had to buy a home and get a mortgage and purchase vehicles and pay for school and buy groceries and have a very, very high monthly nut that he had to hit in order to make sure that there was food on the table and bills were paid. Every memory that I have of my dad is either him going to work or coming home from work. And that by no means means he was not a present father. My dad went out of his way in between working um, just crazy jobs to show up to all my football games and all my stupid play, like school concerts and all the dumb things the kids go to. He was just tired when he was there. (laughs) I associate the smell of coffee and skull dipping tobacco with my dad. Because I just, those memories are just ingrained in my mind because this is all I remember him doing. And when it came time for me to make my own decisions about the direction that I wanted to take my life into, what I took from that was, this is not a hard work equation because that guy worked harder than anybody I know. That guy had, I can't remember the last time he had two jobs because most of the time it was three. He was always, always, always working. And he is now in a place where he can retire and has gotten to the end of it. And he still wants more. It's still not enough. So I had to make the value decision of, or the decision-making matrix of, okay, if I walk down the same path that he walked down, if I make the same choices that he made, I'm probably going to end up in a very similar place. So this is not a hard work equation. It does not just equate to, if I work hard, I will be successful. What this means is I not only have to work hard, but I have to work hard and pour my soul into a leveraged endeavor. I have to build a lever that I can pull on with every ounce of my soul to create as much value as I can, not only for myself, for other people, if I want to truly be wealthy. 
and I say the word wealthy, not rich, because in my mind, those are two very different definitions. Um, that was the first catalyst. And beyond that, um, I have fallen in love with taking very calculated risks. It, it becomes very, very addicting. And the older I get, uh, I've noticed something. Time seems to go by a lot faster for whatever reason. Um, you learn very quickly how short life is. And you learn how days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months and months turn into years. And it happens at a very, very accelerated rate the older you get. So the amount of choices that you are presented with in life, the timeline that you have quickly gets shortened. You know, when you're, when you're growing up, you think that you have all the time in the world as a kid. And then you get a little older and you learn that not only does life go by, but it goes by very quickly. So whenever I have been in a position where I have had to make the big leap, make the big call, make the big transition. I remind myself that I probably won't be in a spot 10 years from now where I can make this call mm -hmm. because of the reasons that you listed, not only from the, reason, the reasons my father had, but the, the reasons you're talking about, the mouths that you are responsible for feeding, mm -hmm. the home and the roof that you are responsible for putting over their head, their safety, their, their, their well-being is your responsibility. So not having those things this is the time to do it. Yep. This is the time to go all in. And why I love being in places like this and having these conversations with you is you made those calls with all of those people in your life. You went full time on your business endeavor when your son was born. Like that, that took balls, man. Mm -hmm. And, and ju just, just to hear that, it's when I hear about other people that are doing that, it gives me more reasons to be more risk tolerant. It gives me more reasons to go all in on the things that I truly care about because I know that I am bullish on me on a long enough timeline. And increase your leverage. And if guys that have wives and kids can do it, well, then I have no excuse. Mm -hmm. So it kind of started off as this, as this um, it, it started coming from this place of not only do I have to take these risks because I don't have all these responsibilities in my life right now that I one day want. Um, it started, it started from a place of, I want to do accomplish and become more than the previous generation, because it was also a lesson that my dad taught to me, you know, the whole goal of him working all these hours is so that he, I can become a better version of him. Yep. And when I have children one day, I want them to be stronger, taller, faster, and more successful than I ever was. So that Manelli's keep getting better. Yep. It ties back into the idea of America. We keep improving from one generation to the next and all the people alongside of us also grow and win along the way. And more than that, I just think it makes life more enjoyable. It makes life more, more, more livable. It, it, it gets you out of bed in the morning with more vigor and more fire. And living this for two months now, I know that there is no way I will ever be going back. You'd be a bad employee at this point. Yep. It's, it, it would be very hard to have blinders and send the emails, do the software, go home, and be done. Um, many people talk about going from business into W-2, back into W-2, and they feel like this freedom, but they're always chasing something. They're always chasing something. And you talked about, and again, it was my new normal. Um, I now have these mouths to feed this wife that to care for, it was my new normal. So taking that jump seemed normal to me, but it, we have desensitized ourselves to this and we have desensitized ourselves to the risk that we're taking. Um, Ryan Pineda, he's a guy that I look up to in the real estate world. <clears throat> 
he was a semi-pro baseball player and literally squeezed every single ounce, just like you did in the contracting world, squeezed every single ounce of baseball that he could out of it until he had to make that leap. When he made that leap, he was as successful as fuck. That's how it comes down to it. But he talks about people think that you have to slow down when you have kids and you have to allocate more time or not more time, less time to the business and different aspects and parts of it are true, but you have to be more calculated. You have to know that your risk is a risk that's worth paying because that risk now has a lot of responsibility attached to it. I'm going through one right now. I just, and in, in this is my world. So if 30K is a drop in the bucket for you, then put it to 30 million. If 30K is a fortune to you, then put it in your perspective. But I now, so eight months ago, I bought my first rental property, uh, second rental property, and it's been cash flowing like a cow. It's been awesome. Well, now I'm doing another one. And 30K just got pulled from this account. And this, we've, we've attached this sense of security to this dollar amount on this bank account. And we feel like I am more successful because of that number. Until you start thinking about increasing your leverage and start buying assets and doing all these things. And for you, assets are right now are a warehouse, yep. manufacturing business, all this different stuff. And so I've, I've, I've attached myself to this number and this number got built up and then it gets depleted and it gets built up and depleted. And, uh, it's scary. Familiar. Yes. Yes. And it get it's, it's scarier now. This is the, this is the first property I've purchased since my son's been born and it's different. It's so different, man. And, uh, so I appreciate your, uh, uh, your applaud for taking the risk when I have that kid and you'll find out when you get there is, uh, it's your new normal. You okay. just you just do a little bit more research. You know, you make sure all the X's and O's line up. That's that's what you do. Um, but it's also saying something to where you can jump without thinking. I can't jump without thinking now. I can jump. I can do that. I can make the call. I can take a leap. But it's such a calculated leap now. You know what I'm saying? You know what I've kind of gathered from this? Um, the older I get, I would like to think I have a better idea of who John Manelli is. You have to understand the kind of person that you are. And a very, a very clear and glaring mistake that I made when I was young, and still am young, but when I was a younger version of myself, was that everyone thinks like me. This brain that I have, this, this framework of the world, that's how everyone sees it because that's how I'm seeing it. What I have learned is the reason why we are taking these risks, the reason why we are going all in, the reason why you feel distraught when you can't answer emails at 11 o'clock at night because they're in your inbox is because you're hardwired the way you are. Mm -hmm. And if you had kids or if you didn't have kids, you would be doing those things. It's who you are as a person. So I know that there are people who are listening to this podcast right now going, these guys are psychopaths. Like these guys are crazy. Like I would never in a million years want to do that. And what I would say to you is you're right because I'm not you and you're not me. And you have to realize who you are before you make any of these big decisions. Because for me, the scary part was not leaving the secure job. The, the scarier part was being the 70 year old that thought, you know, what would have been if I did? Could have been great. 
could have really built something, could, could, have, could have turned it into something incredible. I, I, I would have, could have, should have. That scared the fuck out of me. That, that scared me so much more than, than the money going away. That scared me so much more than my savings account going down. Yes. That scared me more than, more than anything that I have ever done. And that ultimately led me to this, the deciding factor of, okay, then, that's in, then I have a 0% a chance of being successful with this thing. And if I have a 1% chance of success, being successful with this, it's still 1%. Yep. It's not net zero. So just knowing who you are is important. And that kind of tra- transcended into, you know, how I view business now. Another early mistake that I made as a business owner is in the same way that I thought everyone viewed the world, how an 18-year-old version of myself viewed the world, I thought every business owner is the kind of business owner that I am. Everybody wants to turn this into a $50 million venture with 200 people on payroll and doing big, big things and making big, big calls and having multiple distribution centers. That, that's where we want to live. That, that is why I make every decision that I do to get to that. And I'm not going to pick my head up until that happens. And the analogy that I use to kind of describe that is there are two kinds of restaurant owners. And I use the restaurant owner example because everybody that's listening to this podcast has at one point eaten at a restaurant in their lives. Restaurant owner A has one location and he's thinking about opening a second. But he doesn't want to open the second because he's owned that restaurant or has been in his family for decades or generations. And he, he knows all of his customers on a first name basis and they all walk through their doors and he's worried that if he, if he opens a second location that he will lose some of that magic. The people that work for him are family because they've been family. The, he has seen his customers have children grow up, come back from baseball games and eat at his restaurant and he loves every second of it. And he gets to pay himself and pay his employees and it's nothing shy of beautiful. And that guy wants to live where he's at. Restaurant owner B are men like Ray Kroc. And Ray Kroc, for those that are not familiar, was the founder of the McDonald's Corporation. And that man went on to found and run a little more than two restaurants. And you have to realize and be self-aware enough to know what kind of restaurant owner you are and be okay with it. And maybe at one point in your life, you are restaurant owner A and, and are just not in a place where you are comfortable opening and maintaining those restaurants. But in 10 years, you will be. But you have to know who you are today and what your risk tolerance is and what you're comfortable with and live your life accordingly. Because I am no writer than anybody, than any other dude on the internet that you may or may not be listening to. But I know what's right for me. Yep. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but knowing yourself and and being very, 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 very real with what your goals are is just, is this, it's this thought that rings in my head. And I just finished this book uh, on, on the trip coming to North Dakota. And the, the title of the book is Meditations. It was written by a gentleman named Marcus Aurelius. He was a Roman emperor. And I, a goal of mine is to read a lot more and of all the men that are far more well-read than me, one thing that they recommend is they recommend reading classics first. They recommend reading books that were written, in this case, 2,000 years ago because it provides a very good mental framework for how you approach other literature. And more than that, what I have found is it just, it dusts off the TikTok, Instagram, never-ending dopamine reel that is apparent in all of our lives. And there's this line in this book and this, this Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, wrote, We love ourselves more than anybody, but we give so much more value to the opinions of others more than our own thoughts. 
We care so much about what other people think about us, but we love ourselves more than anyone. And it's this, it's this never ending loop because what I have found at the end of the day is at least in my life right now, you're all you got. Your, your choices and the sum of your decisions are going to be what you have to live with when you are 75 and can no longer run the marathon or climb the mountain or build the business or do anything that you lay in bed at night and think of doing. And the only person that you should be consulting is you. Mm-hmm. I, have grand, I have grandparents uh, that retired years ago. Two sets. Yeah. Restaurant A and restaurant B, man. My, my, my grandmother... She is a multi, um, multi-millionaire in real estate. She's taught me everything I know. Um, she walked me on the ledge in this scary economy, this recession, this all this stuff that's inflated. And she walked me on the ledge of spending $30,000 in a day. That's the person she is. And uh, she's not going to come save me if something goes wrong, but she's going to push me in a direction that tells me what is right for me. And I have, it's the rich dad, poor dad. It's the rich dad, poor dad thing with my grandparents. My, my grandmother owns, uh, I don't even know the number now, John, uh, 60, 70, 80. She's approaching the hundred mark easily on properties. And this is subways, Safeways, commercial, residential, everything. And then I have uh, grandfather B and it's, it, it, no, I, don't, I don't love either of them more or less. Of course. But um, the other two sets of grandparents are uh, living with their kids. They, and it's, it's sad. It's, it sucks to talk about, but they're living with their kids. They um, can't get a house that is fittable or uh, usable for them that doesn't have stairs, that doesn't have all these things. They've fallen down the stairs, broken their hips. They've done these things. The other set of grandparents is living in low-income apartments, you know. And I have such a bigger vision for not only me, but something that I can hand off to Ridge and hand it to him after he's done the work, after he's seen the struggle, because the struggle is no different. It's still hard work being a W2 and an entrepreneur, of course, but it's different and it's, uh, it's calculated. And I don't think about those two sets of grandparents often, but when I do, it's emotional and Mm -hmm. it's hard because it's the same thing as your father. Your father wasn't an absent father. No. He was a hard-working man that tried to do the best he could do and the best he knew what to do. And both of those grandparents did what they thought was the best they could do for what they had. But there's two separate, very ends of the spectrum outcomes. And so you, how, we, how we word that in the strength and conditioning world is reverse engineering. We look at the outcome we want and we make the steps to get there. Instead of looking at it from an aspect of, I want to be this millionaire, I say, I want to be this millionaire, but here is the steps and I work it backwards. And I think that's the way to build any $50 million business. And I think that's the way to build any $50,000 business. But it all comes down to the concept you just said. What are the, who, who is the person that you are? Do you want the 50 million or do you want the 50,000? Once you figure that out and you become very clear, then that reverse engineering process is super simple. It's super simple. Um, but when emotions are attached and it's your grandparents and your parents and all this stuff, uh, it, it's harder, you know, just like, just like your dad. 
it's the same thing, but it, it's, it's super cool because you know exactly what you want, but then on the other side of the spectrum, you know exactly what you don't want. And both of them are super important. You need to know what you want and what you don't want. It's just like becoming a father. If you had a great father, you know what you want. If you had a bad father, you didn't have a bad father. You had a father that taught you what you didn't want to be. You know, it being 2023, definitions are very important. Um, <laughs> Especially right now you know, in 2023. In that same book that I'm reading, Aurelius defined um, what poor meant to him. And he mm. put that it's an adjective. And the way he defined it was that poor is defined as requiring others. Specifically, dependency, requiring others for the sustainment of one's own needs and one's own life. It's a Ponzi scheme. Grandparent A that you talked about is requiring and needing her children to put food on their table and make sure they have enough to eat and make sure that they have a roof over their head and make sure that they can go on living the last chapter of their life. There's a very different predicament than your other grandparent finds herself in. And what's so incredible about when I hear stories like this, the reason why I know I don't have any excuse in the world not to be successful is because she did all of that pre-YouTube, pre-Twitter, pre-Instagram, pre the ability to tweet at men who are worth billions of dollars in a second and it's available in your pocket. Instant. The company that I started started from Firebase in Syria. I built the LLC from my laptop. I talked to lawyers on a SACOM phone where the receiving end of the conversation heard every other word that I was saying. <laughs> If I wanted to do that 20 years ago, I would have to walk down to a legal office. I would have to walk down to a bank to open a checking account. I would have to walk down to a library to buy books that I couldn't highlight and underline and read in. I couldn't have email exchange with people. I would have to put letters in envelopes and put stamps on them and send them back and forth to people. And all of this takes more time and takes tumultuously more money. And now I don't have to do any of that. Mm -hmm. So when I hear about these people that did all these incredible things that are decades older than me, that lived in a world that was much bigger than the world that we are currently inhabiting, I know I don't have any excuse in the world. And more than that, there's this study. Um, and in this particular study, they, were, they wanted to measure desire in mice. And the way they measured this particular um, study, the, the variable that they were studying was desire. So the way they measured this is they put a string on the end of the mouse's tail and measured how, with what amount of force the mouse would pull on. And there were three different versions of this experiment. In version A, they put the smell of cheese in front of the mouse and measured how hard the mouse pulled. Version B of the experiment was they put the scent or aroma of a cat behind the mouse and it pulled harder. Version three of the experiment was they put the smell of cheese in front of the mouse and the aroma of a cat behind the mouse. And by an overwhelming metric, that mouse pulled harder than any other experiment that they had run previously. What that tells me to anybody that is listening to this, if you want to accomplish anything, if you want to do anything big, if you want to really swing your heart, swing your heart out and accomplish something incredible, not only do you have to be running towards something that you absolutely want more than anything, you have to be running away from something that scares the fuck out of you. And what that is for me is being poor. It's being poor in the way that Marcus Aurelius defines being poor. It's, it's poor in the way that you spoke about with one of your grandparents. It's, it's, it's being dependent on others to, to put food on my table 
or requiring the government to pay my bills or, or needing anybody but myself to live the life that I am, that I want to live, the desire that I have. That scares me more than anything. Hermosi talked exactly about that. I don't know if you saw the YouTube video. He said the most successful people in any industry, the reason they were successful is they were scared as shit of something else. It wasn't because they loved caffeine. It wasn't because they wanted to um, caffeinate all hardworking Americans. It wasn't because I want to make everybody more utilitarian and mm -hmm. make them more able-bodied so they don't have the definition that Marcus had. It's because you're scared of the opposing side of the spectrum. And it, it's, it's apparent in every big business. It's apparent in every entrepreneur. And, uh, but he put it so elegantly as he does. Um, and so straightforward that, um, you really have to find that. And in the last two months you have found that mm -hmm. I didn't know, um, before, before we chatted again and had you come out here, I didn't know that you went full time, but I saw a change that made me think that something changed in the business. Interesting content, the marketing, the relationships that you've been doing, the business travels you've been going on. Um, I had no idea that you went full time, but the content leveled up from an outsider's perspective. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that, that's cool to see because I, I, I didn't know this until we started lifting a couple hours ago. So it's, it's super, super cool. It's super gratifying to see that a jump has been made and the fruits are being born um, because I need that at all times. I mean, we have this, we have this squirrel brain that uh, we want to try and build and do these things. And it's super cool that you made that jump and you're now starting to see that, you know? And, and the other half of this equation, before I say that, thank you, man. Mm -hmm. it, it really means the world. And the reason why it means the world is because in, in, the, in the same way that you get it, like this is the thing that I care about more than anything. And prior to you having a family and having all these wonderful people in your life, I would imagine that the building that I'm standing in was the most important thing in the world to you. Mm -hmm. And to, to hear someone else give a compliment about my work, it, it really does mean the world. Um, I mean it. The other half of the equation that's always missed in this is not only do you have to be running oh so scared away from something that, that scares you, you have to remind yourself of what you're running towards. Because it can't just be pessimism all the time. You'll burn out very, very quickly. You have to realize and get fired up about what truly is possible. You have to think about what a UFC deal would look like. You have to think about what a DOD contract would look like. You have to really think about, well, what if we could really turn this into an eight-figure company? What would that look like? What, what kind of man would I become? What kind of leader would I be? What, if I was faced with a decision point where I had to choose between going down path A or path B, what, what facilities would, would I be equipped with to make the, that call? How much would I grow? You have to realize that's possible. And more than the money in your bank account, you have to be running towards that. And what this has, what this has done for me at least is it has given me the ability to become a better leader. And an overwhelming lesson that, that, that becomes clearer and clearer every time that I am presented with a leadership opportunity, you have to, when things work out, when the scheme and the concoction and the magical plan that you have been dreaming and scheming about for the past months, if not years, when it finally all materializes and it come, comes together, to love it when a plan comes together, to quote the A-team, 
you have to say it's not because of you. You owe it to your team to say it was all because of you guys, because you guys put in the work, because you made this happen. It was, it was, it had nothing to do with me and had everything to do with the team that makes this place possible. That's what a good leader does. Extreme ownership. But at the opposite end of the spectrum, when things go poorly, when things don't work out, when the marketing play that you, that you thought would, would, would net a lot of cash in your business checking account when it's all falling apart in front of you, there needs to be one resounding answer that comes from your mouth, and that is that it's my fault. The buck stops here. This is not the blame of my team members. This is not the blame of my production team. This is not the blame of anybody else but me. And one of the capacities where I was kind of faced with that leadership call is we are now in a place where we are finally, after two years, in a place where we can actually grow and scale our production ability. Just because of the inherent challenges of producing a supplement that has never really been done before, there's been a very, very, very steep learning curve to taking powder and putting it in a pouch and putting it in tins that you can put in your pocket. Which seems so simple. Which but seems so simple, but I came to learn over the course of two years of this two-year period that that is tumultuously difficult. And along the way, it would have been very easy to blame our production team. It would have been very easy to blame the uniqueness of the product. It would have been very easy to blame a myriad of other factors that were glaring in front of me as to why this thing wasn't working out. And I thought about all of those things. And then one day I went on our Instagram page and typed up a, a lesson that this is no one's fault but ours, more specifically mine. The reason why we don't have inventory on, on the website right now is because of me. Mm-hmm. The reason why we don't have inventory on the website right now is because of no one else but John Minnelli. And we, and, and this is the important part, that our leaders in Washington, for whatever reason, seem to forget mm-hmm. often, mm-hmm. you have to say that not only did we mess up, but we're fixing it. Yep. And this is how we're going to fix it, and this is going to be the timeline in which we are going to fix it in. And this is why that although we are making a mistake right now, that we will utilize it as a learning opportunity. And so long as I continue to do that and so long as I continue to embrace every single challenge and every single shortfall and every single missed call that I not have only have made in the past but will make in the future, it puts more leadership tools in my tool belt to eventually run a team. And what I've seen here, man, is, you know, the last time I was here, it was just you. It was a one-man show. It was, it was Colby running the business and sweeping the floors and training people. And now all of a sudden there's a team full of people. I'm meeting faces that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I'm meeting other trainers and I'm hearing you say things, you know, it's really hard to give up all this control because I've built it over the course of, uh, of the last time period that I've been working on this business. Mm-hmm. And what, I, what I've seen from you, man, is like you realize that if you want to accomplish some of those goals that you have to not only give up control, but take ownership of the people you're giving up control to. Yep. You have to provide them the tools to put in their tool belt about how you want the work to be performed. You have to say, you have to set expectations, and when those expectations fail, realize that it is not their fault, but the fault of you, mm-hmm. the fault of the business owner, the fault of the name that is on the sign outside. Yeah. He, uh, you, you put it just as clear and concise and well thought out and talked as Jocko talks about. That is his whole ploy. Jocko's whole ploy is extreme ownership and how when... When something fails, there's a single origin. And when something goes great, there's multiple origins. Mm -hmm. And uh, he talks about never yelling as a leader. He talks about um, never having to raise his voice. He talks about many different things that 
build this whole curriculum. Have you read Extreme Ownership? Absolutely have. Yes. And he, uh, it's such a kick in the face. And when we, on our ride here, when we were getting ready to work out, you asked me how things were going. Mm-hmm. And I said, things are going amazing. But my biggest struggle is delegation. And this conversation brings me back to maybe I should revisit the book I already read, yep. you know, and it's, it's these conversations, man. Um, and I'm not just saying this to toot your horn. Uh, you come out here. I hope this is my hope that this podcast furthers your business. This does all these things, but on a more cellular level, it levels up us yep. as a whole. Um, <clears throat> I say this probably every other podcast. I, I love being the dumbest person in the room. And that's not a way of uh, false, false identifying myself or people are like, oh, this person's much better than me when they're a multimillionaire. And it's just not like that. I truly believe that. And it puts me in a place of being scared again, which is good. And it puts me in a place of um, falling in a rut. And we all fall in a rut at some point. And we need John Manelli's and we need Colby's to make sure that we can push the people that we care about out of the rut. Other than my business partners, um, who are some of my best friends, I don't have other people like you. I have real estate investors that I'm acquainted with and this stuff, but these relationships that people don't realize are so much bigger than what this YouTube video is going to do, what mm-hmm. this, it, it builds you as a man. And so having said that, I'm so thankful for our friendship, our relationship, what we've yep. done. And it's just this tip of this iceberg. And it's really cool to see somebody that is like-minded, but also um, has the same morals, the same uh, the same guiding light. It's really cool to see. Um, cause you've got very clear on that for yourself at the young age of 26, 26. Yep. Uh, the beard people, he's not 38. <laughs> okay. Um, they probably feel 38 building this business, man. Um, but if you, if you, if you had anything else, what, uh, what's on John Manelli's mind? Um, I, we can, uh, go from there. It's funny you bring that up. Um, when I was in high school, I had this nickname. My nickname was Dad. Mm-hmm. And my nickname was Dad because if you look at the top of my head, Colby, you might notice something about it. Shiny. It's very shiny. There's not a lot of hair on it. We got good lighting. <laughs> okay? And the reason there's not a lot of hair on it is because when I was in high school, my hair started falling out. And my friends, rightfully so, started giving me shit about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just one of those lessons like, hey, things happen to you and people are going to make fun of you. And you have to deal with it. I, I would never ask any of my friends to not give me shit about anything. Exactly. Um, but more than that, um, the coolest part about all of it, and the reason I wouldn't change any of it, is because I remember the man that I was when I was 19. I remember vividly. Um, I used to work at a place called Jewel Osco. Jewel Osco is a grocery store that is on that is in the Chicagoland area. Okay. Okay, and what's unique about Jewel is... Jewel is the grocery store part of it. The other half of the store is Osco, the pharmacy area. So I'm working uh, a shift after I, I came back from football practice and prom was coming up. And I walked over to the other side of the store after I clocked out. And I remember vividly buying Rogaine because mm. I wanted my hair to look nice for you prom. to change. And I remember looking at the packaging and I remember just like being distraught. Like I remember looking at it and go like, 
looking at the model that was on this packaging and going like, this dude is in his fifties and I turned 15 last year. Like this is, I don't want to say I was depressed, but the situation was depressing. Um, and it was the term, the term wasn't invented back then. <laughs> and it would have been very easy to talk to a therapist, to throw a bottle of pills at it, yep. to, to blame it on, on a multitude of factors and, and get those, those, those handicaps to, to, to help me in this endeavor. And the, the, the part that pissed me off about it more than anything, the, the reason I was oh so angry about this stupid thing was because it was through no fault of my own. I didn't eat too many Oreos and then one day wake up with my hair falling out. Mm-hmm. I did not do enough deadlifts. And one day, you know, I, I woke up with a bald spot. It's just, it, it was a lesson of life. Some, sometimes things find you. And I remember, I remember like when I was younger, just like every single day looking at myself in the mirror and just having this feeling of just, ugh, like I would look at myself and just hated the way I looked. Yep. And what got me over it, and now coming from a place where I forget that I'm bald, quite literally, yeah. I went from thinking about this thing every day to thinking about it never until people literally bring it up. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and kind of taking stock of what I had. And I said to myself, well, what, what do you have, Manelli? Like, what do you got? Well, you don't got a lot of hair. <laughs> so there's that. There we go. <laughs> okay. Good place to start. But I have 10 fingers and I have 10 toes and I have legs that work. And I have arms that work. And I learned and, and, and I, I realized how much of a blessing that truly is. And then at this particular time, I was at Grand Forks Air Force Base in my room. Hell of a place. I remember looking at myself in a uniform and being really damn proud because up until that point, it was the most challenging thing academically that I had ever done. Tech school, the best way to describe it, at least for my job, was drinking through a fire hose. It was nine months of training and you just had to learn. And along the way, there were, there were guys that tried to do this thing and didn't make it. And I just promised myself I was never going to be one of those people. I was not going to, to go off and tell everybody that I was going to do this thing and then come home and then have to tell them, hey, this test was too hard. I didn't study enough. And this is coming from a person who struggled in school. I wasn't going to be that guy. I didn't allow failure to exist at that particular time in life. And I learned what a blessing it was to even try in the first place. And the reason I arrived at that conclusion was because the next immediate thought after I came to that realization was come to think of it, there are six-year-old little girls in hospital beds with less hair on their head than I have. But it's not because of a bad genetic roll of the dice or who your parents are. It's because they have a brain tumor in their head and they're currently undergoing chemotherapy. And they're looking at their little Barbie doll wondering why they don't look like the girl that they're holding. And I remember getting really really, really angry at myself for even allowing those thoughts to exist in my head in the first place. Because the parents of that little girl aren't hoping that she one day grows up and becomes something. They're just hoping that she sees second grade one day. They're not, they're not worried about her growing her hair back. Nope. It's a whole different perspective. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror and going, this needs to stop. This insecurity bullshit nonsense needs to stop. 
I am not going to let the amount of hair on my stupid head dictate how happy I am in life. I'm not going to let it dictate what girl that I talk to. I'm not going to let it dictate the life that I lead because of the amount of hair on my head. I have to stop being a pussy. I have to stop allowing myself to have these thoughts in the first place. It's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. That day, I did what I always should have done. I grabbed a pair of clippers and shaved my head and haven't looked back since. Yes, sir. And the second I did that, I started laughing because I thought to myself, this was it. This was the thing that I was oh so scared about, that I was oh so worried about, that I was oh so insecure about, and I felt it just leave, fall through my fingertips. And the reason I wouldn't change any of it, Colby, and the reason why I'm so happy that God put this challenge in my life is because I had to deal all of that with all of that as a 19-year-old. I see grown men that have children Oh, so desperately holding on to something that left them a very long time ago and see, and see them struggling with it. And now I giggle and now I laugh. And I learned the lesson in that was that if I can accomplish this, if I can slay this dragon, if I can get over this hump, I can do anything. I can go on any deployment. I can become the defense contractor. I can make any amount of money that I want to make. I can build the company. I can run the team. I, I can do all of it because I already conquered this thing. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because if there is any young man that is currently listening to the words that I am saying and his hair is falling out and he's buying Rogaine in high school, if there's anyone in the world who knows what that feels like, it is the guy that is talking into this microphone right now. Hear these words. Barbells, razor blades, and ribeyes work so much better than Rogaine. <laughs> they work so much better than Rogaine. And the reason I tell that story is because even with all the micro successes that I've had in my life and even looking back on all these wonderful accomplishments and the things that I want to accomplish in the future with all these incredible people that I now get to meet, I remember who I was in that moment. I remember the insecure person that I was and no longer am anymore. And to anybody listening to this that thinks it was, it, it was less challenging for me or, or I was always this way is a better way of putting it. It could not be further from the truth. The man that you see in front of you is a person that I have calloused. It is a person that I have turned into. And, it has, and the reason I have turned into this person is because pressure was put on me and I had to grow because of it. Mm -hmm. and, the, and I know it sounds very easy to speak into a microphone and say these words, but the way that you level up, the way that you become a better version of yourself is by having those moments land at your feet yep. and, and see how you as a, as a person are going to respond. It was what you were scared of. It was your biggest insecurity. Yep. Um, and uh, barbells, razors, and ribeyes is one hell of a way to end a podcast. Yep. That I fucking love. Um, I had a strength coach, one little wrapped up thing. <clears throat> and just, a, just a fundamental move the barbell. You don't need anything but a barbell. Just a really fundamental great strength coach. And he talks about North Dakota steroids. Potatoes, old Milwaukee, and beef. That's the way to build athletes. And it's, it's no different. Um, it's just a different situation, man. And me not knowing that story prior to this podcast, again, that is a, you are a calloused version and you have completely sloughed off, if that's the term you want to use, you've completely sloughed off that person that you used to be. I would never know that. You know what I'm saying? It was the work that you put in. It's the work that you're putting in to send it. 
It's the work that you're putting into your life, your future family, everything, man. So uh, every time you fly to this, a <laughs> lot better weather. Um, it's nice now, but every time you fly here, I learn something, man. Um, so it's, it's bigger than, um, the, the business opportunity and everything. Um, I grow as a man and I grow as a business owner because I'm able to set aside, you're 26 years old, you're doing all these things. You don't have a family. You don't have that. I'm able to set that aside and learn from you. And so, um, I appreciate that more than, you know, and, uh, I think it'll be a great, great sounding board for anything I ever want to do in my life again. So the feeling couldn't be more mutual, man. Thank you very much, my friend. Um, so the mo the, one of the more important things, where can, uh, everybody find my friend, John Manelli and send it. Absolutely. At www.senditsups.com. Mm-hmm. We are also at send it Sups on all social media platforms. Yep. And at the start of the podcast, it is typed up in the video description, senditsups.com. Um, you can find it there. I appreciate your time so much, man. It, of course. I, I didn't think we could have a better podcast, but we, we did it. We did it. So um, I appreciate it. And everybody, reach out. Uh, you can get your uh, senditsups at uh, com and reach out to John uh, for any opportunities that you may present. Of course. Shaker cups suck. Shaker cups suck. <laughs>